my name is Olivia, and if I'm being completely honest, when I first had the idea to start this podcast through my own brand, I really had no intention of recording an episode alone for a number of reasons. I guess I just thought, who would want to listen to me? You know, anyone could grab a mic these days, anyone could start a podcast, and it seems like everyone is. But I think that recording the first episode myself is not only really freeing for me, but I also think it's necessary. So I'm going to tell you why you may want to listen to the Living for Food podcast going forward. I never really wanted to be an influencer. I never really claimed to. In fact, that's not really my intention behind this podcast and never will be. I just realized that throughout my journalism career, which I've only really been in for three years now, I have had some insanely cool experiences, I've met some insanely cool people, and I'm really good at what I do. And in a way, when it's your life, you kind of become desensitized to everything that you're doing, especially when it's in media until someone you know or even someone you don't know tells you how jealous they are, how cool something is I did, or they asked me how I got my start. So what I actually did was put up a Q&A on my Instagram, and I got flooded with so many really awesome questions about how I got my career and, and how it kind of manifested into being a celebrity interviewer and a food and beverage writer. And let me just say, First off, I am not making big cash. Like, I am not doing anything crazy. But everyone is so fascinated by how I got on these PR lists and how I started freelance writing for brands and what made me interested in food journalism. And normally, I say that it just kind of happened for me. But I think that's kind of not really giving myself enough credit because I did work really hard. But what I mean by it just kind of happened for me is the career found me and made me pursue it because it's something that I was passionate about. My family was very food oriented and still is. I absolutely loved visiting restaurants and and cooking for pleasure and absolutely love reading and still do even if I don't make as much time as I'd like to to anymore. But I kind of mixed those two and created a career from it. So I originally went to school for communications and political science. There was a lot running through my mind when I was in college, I would say. I was all over the place. I wanted to learn more about public relations, I even considered law school for a hot minute, but I always knew that writing and research papers came easy to me, but I don't think I ever really predicted that that's what I would be doing. And that's not saying I'm like a big guru for like journalism or anything or making a ton of money because believe me, I'm like not even close, but I do think that I enjoy my career more than I've necessarily seen peers my age pursue a career that they thought they were supposed to. 
And I do think I've had a lot of media opportunities that quite honestly, my high school self would never have guessed I was doing now. I mean, if you told me in high school that I would have been invited to Coachella at no cost or having breakfast with Alton Brown or literally talking to my idol, Sophia Bush, who I absolutely adore, by the way, and have been motivated by since the minute I saw her on One Tree Hill and then followed her activism after that. I could talk about that all day, though. I would have actually said you were insane. And because I was very shy back then and I didn't really curate my public speaking skills until later in college, I definitely would not have predicted any of this. And I do want to clarify that, yes, social media is a big part of my job and I do it to build relationships with brands and and keep a pulse on trends, but social media is also just a highlight reel. So I'm not knee deep in celebrity events and free things like every day of the week. That is like probably 20% of what I do. And the rest is me writing or emailing. Honestly, emailing is probably most of what I do. But I do have to take a break from that culture every now and then just because, especially with me living in Los Angeles, I find myself comparing how I look or what I'm doing or my fashion to others just as much as anyone else on the apps and in person too because um, a lot of these events have people who are either high profile or have a lot of money or or come from wealth. So my passions for journalism manifested from a club I was in in college. And then from there, I just, I made my side passion turn into a career. I was really lost in what I wanted because communication is so broad So first I got an internship in social media, which by the way, was not an easy feat. I was applying to so many internships and I was turned down from so many things. But honestly, I think it ended up being for the better because if I hadn't gotten this internship in social media, which I ended up turning into an editorial internship because that was my skill set, I don't think that this would be my job now. And I very much enjoyed the content creation part of the social media internship, but I very much knew it wasn't something I wanted to spend all of my time doing or my main job at least doing. And then almost a year into the food and beverage journalism industry, I started interviewing celebrities. So my first ever celebrity that I spoke to was actually Mario Lopez in my social media internship. And it's funny because I took a hiatus for a bit and then he ended up being my first one when I started doing them again. And now I can't even count how many people I've had the privilege of speaking with for editorial content. So I first decided to start this podcast. I was really hesitant about it. I think because I felt like I didn't have as much weight in the world as I I would have liked to. And when I took a step back, I tried to decipher what I equated what this weight was. 
or I equated this weight to. And I realized that was money, status, and most importantly, follower count. And then I had a really enlightening conversation with Ross Matthews, who's the co-host on the Drew Barrymore show. And he told me that nothing changes if nothing changes. And we were more talking about health-wise and weight and things like that. Physical weight, not mental. But I kind of let that sit with me for a bit because I've always been extremely motivated. And I knew that there is something that I'm supposed to be doing. But I've had too many ideas in my head. And that was completely overwhelming because I didn't know necessarily had to organize those thoughts. And because I was so scattered, nothing would actually happen and nothing would actually be manifested into that. So then I went on a press trip. It was a four-day press trip that will always be in my memory. And I got to bring my mom, which was really special because usually my parents don't get to witness me conducting interviews until the article comes out and You know, those are edited, not terribly edited, but edited enough because the whole never whole conversation never gets put into an article because no one wants to read a 4000 world word interview unless it's like Selena Gomez or something. But I interviewed seven Food Network and celebrity chefs in one day, and I was extremely exhausted, but also extremely gratified. I remember I was driving home. And I had just met Buddy Velastro and me and my mom got to take a picture with him. And I just was thinking, I grew up watching him. And then I was on my ride home and I was just felt really accomplished, especially because my mom got to witness it. That was really cool for me. And then after one interview, Michael Simon, who is very well known for barbecue recipes and has a ton of shows, was signing his cookbook for me. And he said, thank you for those questions. Not everyone does that kind of research. You're very, very good at your job. And I mean, who knows if he remembers that because he meets so many people, but I felt really appreciated in that moment. So I had put so much effort into that weekend and I didn't want to just go up to these people that I've lived through so amazing experiences and have so much knowledge and ask them, oh, so how'd you become a chef? Like, no one really wants to hear that because they've probably told it so many times. And in my opinion, it's just a waste of time. So I want tips that people can utilize in the kitchen. I want behind the scenes stories that you wouldn't get anywhere else. And I want to learn from people I never in my life thought I'd meet, let alone speak with one-on-one for 30 minutes or an hour or or whatever it is. And I thought, screw it. I'm going to start my podcast. I'm just going to do it by myself. And I decided to make a big leap and move across the country. And why can't I do this too? So I needed to focus and be on a new environment and Because something I've always noticed about myself is if I don't push myself, I'll get comfortable and and never dream really the way I want to. Then the first week or so that I moved here, I interviewed Lydia Bassanish, who has so many cookbooks I can't even count now. She's an Italian-American chef, but she was explaining to me her 
immigration story and, and how that was the beginning of her empire. And I was so intrigued by her stories and what she recommended using in the kitchen. And then at the end of the interview, she told me I was a very good interviewer. Just her and I had a lengthy conversation that honestly could have gone on for longer, but the only reason it didn't is because my Zoom time limit was running out. But it was so fulfilling because no PR reps were online, public relations reps, no brands were listening in. We were supposed to talk about her PBS special, which we did in length, but because it was such a wholehearted subject, the conversation was really touching in general. So it was just me and her, and she told me she enjoyed the conversation, and that's when it solidified for me that I don't necessarily need the status or the followers to start a podcast. I just really want to talk to people. I always loved school and learning, and I want people listening to have the chance to do that too. And I'd like to think it's something I've become comfortable with and and excel at. So I'm going to do my very best to get inspiring chefs, content creators, brands, and all different people from the culinary industry to tell you about their life. And it'll be lighthearted and fun and all of the things in between. But I thought in this particular episode, it would be kind of fun to turn the tables on me a little bit. I am so used to interviewing other people that when people ask me questions, I kind of get a little bit flustered or I don't necessarily know how to answer them the way that people would who've had media training or or things like that. So I had my Instagram followers ask me, anything they wanted about traveling, food tips, celebrity interviews, etc. So I'm going to try my best. And I picked out five questions. My whole spiel was kind of answering one of them because a lot of people asked me how I got my start, which I mentioned before, but the other ones are pretty fun. So we're going to get into it. So the first one says, where is your favorite place that you've traveled? So I think I'll probably do an episode on this or at least mention it in my conversations with chefs and people like that. But I would definitely say Croatia. Croatia was jaw-droppingly beautiful. We went to Dubrovnik and Split. Dubrovnik was a very long bus ride for hours on end. And I loved it because there were so many outdoor activities we went kayaking there i don't know how else to describe it but there's basically a little town within dubrovnik that's surrounded by a wall and you could actually walk on the top of that wall and it was very hot i was sweating profusely but it was worth every minute of it and we took incredible photos the kayaking was a little rough because it was like I feel like it was two hours I don't even know if that's accurate anymore but it really was taxing because I am in no way a Olympic athlete or anything of the sort so it was really exhausting but the sun was setting when we were doing it and it was just a memory that 
can never be taken away. So Dubrovnik was beautiful. It's also known for Game of Thrones. So I've never watched that. But if you're interested in that, you could definitely go there and see some places where everything was filmed. And there were a few souvenir shops that were really, really cool. I definitely could probably talk about that more in length. Maybe I can even do a travel guide or something like that. But Croatia was definitely worth it. And we traveled there from Florence, Italy, where we were based during the summer. So it wasn't as expensive to buy a flight there, but I can imagine from the United States, it's probably pricey. And let's go on to question two. So I got a few questions about my study abroad experiences and traveling. So I'm going to go a little bit more general than what I was just talking about. Originally, I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy, and then unfortunately, it was COVID. There was a lot of things going on, so I had to come home, and then me and my friend decided to go back two years later and live in Europe and basically do a do-over and kind of take back our abroad experience and do all the things that we weren't able to do when we had to leave. So we hit so many places in Italy, which I could definitely talk about that probably for like three hours. We went to France. So we went to Nice and then Paris. We went to Croatia, like I was speaking on. I'd have to look back and and see everywhere we went, but I documented that a lot on my Instagram, especially the food portions of it because we found so many incredible restaurants that I didn't find the first time that we went and there's some Italy tips I can give too so if you see gelato and it's not in one of those silver tins and covered it's probably not the gelato you want to grab that gelato has been sitting out it's not as good it's very touristy so definitely go for ones in the silver tins The handwritten menus at restaurants, if you see it's handwritten and it's cash only, it is so good. Um, We found a few of those there, and one restaurant actually was making all of the food that day, so they were running out by the time we got there, but everything was so good and fresh that we didn't even care. We were just like, give us whatever you have. So there's so many places in, in Italy I can talk about too, but... I definitely have other travel goals like Thailand and I would like to go places other than Europe just because I was spending so much time there. So I'd love to maybe visit Australia one day and I just did a cross country road trip with my dad. So luckily I've gotten to see a lot of the US just through that, but I would love to see now that I'm in California more of Utah or um, hiking more and hopefully that answers your guys' questions but here's another one so do you ever talk to celebrities after the interviews are over see that depends on the situation so if they're really big names what normally happens is they have very limited time and If they have a very tight schedule, it's very quick. It's, this is Olivia, this is who she's with, and she's going to ask you some questions. Go. And then I ask them the questions, and then it's over after that. But a lot of the time, I do really talk to 
a lot of them. I'm trying to think of, I've never really had a bad experience with anyone. Everyone I've met so far, no matter what industry they're in, because I don't just do food and beverage. I do travel or I do entertainment or, or whatever it is, but I haven't really had any bad experiences with people. Everyone's been really pleasant and, you know, you don't really know what they're like at home because I am media. So they kind of have to turn it on when I'm there and answer the questions because it will end up being in an article. But if the celebrities do have time and they are really willing to speak and we're having a great conversation, then yeah, I absolutely talk to them after, especially if it's in person. Um, We'll chat for a few minutes or we'll grab a picture or, or whatever it is. And I've actually come to find that a lot of them remember me, which is surprising because they meet so many people and you would think that like faces just come and go. But I would say a good amount have really good recall. I mentioned the Sophia Bush interview earlier and that was one of my first ones. I was so nervous because I look up to her so much. And she talked to me pretty much at length because they were able to have that extra time. And I was think I was only supposed to get 10 or 15 minutes with her. And then I ended up talking with her for 20 or 25, something like that. They're normally really kind and willing to do it. Here's my next question. So who is the worst celebrity you've ever interviewed? I don't really like this question because I'm not well established enough in the industry to answer it. But I mean, I really am being honest when I say I haven't really had a bad experience. Everyone has been really nice. There has been incidences where they either maybe they don't show up or they're a little bit late, but also they're people and, and things happen. So I only get frustrated with that if they could have joined and just decided not to or, or something behind the scenes happened. But I would say probably some of my favorite conversations were not necessarily because they're big names or because they are, I don't know, well-known, but it's because I kind of really enjoyed the way they answered my questions and they were thoughtful with it. So I would say probably my top three Obviously, Sophia Bush, I could talk about her all day. And then the second one would be Maggie Wheeler. So Maggie Wheeler was on the show Friends, and she played Janice. And that was literally one of the sickest experiences because my family loves Friends. Like, we watch it all the time. And I got to bring my sister. And basically, we got to go to a pop-up experience and... Maggie was there and she actually hosted a trivia for us and we got to do a little trivia Q&A kind of thing with her and answer really fun Q&A questions. And then after that, I got to speak with her. I think it was probably 10 or so minutes, but I really liked the way she answered those questions besides the fact that the whole thing was very grand, I guess you could say, because the production of it, there were themed foods from friends and themed drinks. And then the whole friends pop up itself, we got to go through, which was basically a replica of all the sets. And this was in New York City. But 
she was so incredibly kind and it's really hard to recall a show even if you're known for it from like when did it air the 90s even if you are a big part of it and it's something that you're well known for it's really hard to recall something like that and really answer the questions well and I felt like she did that and I felt like I could bounce off of her and it's a conversation I'll always remember I would say actually to answer the previous question of who the worst celebrity I've talked to is is based on if they give me short answers or not and they just kind of go yes or no and they're very to the point or and I don't feel like I can bounce off of it or dig a little deeper or get really what I needed for editorial content but also just for me because a lot of these people I'm fans of I would say Sophia then Maggie then I had a really really intriguing conversation with Christy Carlson Romano she was on Even Stevens and she was actually Kim Possible so that was really cool for me because when I grew up I thought I was Kim Possible I used her catchphrase I thought I was so cool and this was actually a very last minute interview but I talked to her and she because she owns her own podcast and she's really good at, at speaking well she was so wonderful in her answers and she really loved talking about her time on even stevens her time on kim possible and she gave me just such great content but beyond that we talked about some of my life and we talked about a lot of hers and like emotional stuff so I like really like conversations that aren't necessarily brand focused with their partnerships because a lot of the time when it is partnership based, they often have to talk about that or circle it back to that, which is their job. And it makes sense. But I love conversations where they talk about that for a little bit, but then we're able to talk about so many other things because these are people that I've never talked thought I would talk to or learn from or just hear about their experiences because I've never been on a movie set. I've never been on a television series set or I've, and I've never been a Food Network chef. Like I just love hearing from other people that I never would have been connected with um, if it wasn't for me being in journalism. So I really enjoyed her conversation And then just the coolest one clout-wise was probably Paul Rudd. And that was like super last minute. But he said my name and I kind of um, freaked out a little bit internally because I love him. I only talked to him first. He was one of the celebrities that he was just doing press all day. And then he was probably exhausted, to be honest. I only talked to him for like five minutes, but I knew what he was doing that Wednesday at 8 p.m. He was talking to me and he said my name, so I freaked out. Okay, my next question, my last one is, what does your daily diet look like? That's a good question. So a lot of things that I post in my food account, which I've honestly been slacking on lately just because I haven't really been cooking as much or really just felt the need to record anything. But normally I eat pretty healthy, so I have some health issues, and I really need to watch the amount of sugar that I'm eating, which is very hard for me because I love chocolate and all things sugar. But 
I really try to strive to be gluten-free and I was doing dairy-free for a while, but I kind of stopped that because I noticed that hard cheeses don't really bother me or they're fine for me to eat. So normally I wake up, I eat the same breakfast every day and I could do the definitely a more detailed episode on this, but just to give you a gist, I basically eat fried eggs in the morning, one yolk. I do two eggs, one yolk, one without the yolk. And then I eat a sprout bread. I think it's or a spelt bread. I'd have to correct that, but I do that and I toast that and then put a little bit of butter on it. And then I normally eat cantaloupe or it's kind of whatever fruit I have around, but normally a banana every single day and then like two pieces of cantaloupe or strawberries on the side. So I actually look forward to that every single day. And I don't know why, because it's such a simple breakfast, but it makes me happy. Sometimes I'll do scrambled eggs that I actually learned how to make scrambled eggs from Anthony Porosky, but I could explain that in a different episode, how to make scrambled eggs. Maybe he'll even be on here one day, but I normally do that or I do a smoothie. It kind of depends if I work out in the morning. Normally I'm craving a smoothie when I work out and then I'll put flaxseed meal in it and I'll put unsweetened oat milk and frozen fruit. I'm really trying to lean more towards vegetables, but I like fruit better because I like everything sweet. For lunch, I'm going to say I normally do rice, right basmati rice with ground turkey and then broccoli. So very simple, not that exciting. And lately, I've actually been into doing brown rice and quinoa noodles. I've been making my own sesame soy sauce, or I don't know what to call it, but I've been doing that. And then I've been searing salmon and putting it on top of that. And then the stir fry with the pasta also includes a ton of vegetables. So normally when I do a stir fry, I am kind of putting whatever vegetables I have together. So peppers, green beans, broccoli, maybe even spinach, just stuff that I already have. I try to make it as low maintenance as possible because I really have to be in the mood to cook something good. And I try to stay away from red meat. That's kind of a treat, I guess you could say for me. So if I'm going to have a burger, I do turkey burgers. This isn't very exciting, but you guys asked. (laughs) So maybe I could do a more detailed um, episode on what I'm eating or what recipes I'm digging into now. But yeah, so I hope you really enjoy this podcast. And I'm really hoping that it does as well as I think it would do. There are so many amazing people to learn from, especially in the culinary industry, who are doing so much just on food sustainability and trying to leave less of a carbon footprint or trying to push the envelope creatively in the culinary world. And it's just so fascinating to see how everyone else perceives food and has grown up in different households with different meals that are nostalgic to them.
Hey fellow foodies, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time.